0: You're listening to WERA LP Arlington, Virginia 96.7 FM streaming and on demand at wera.fm.
1: I started this journey being curious about the things that my parents had told me and validating those stories. And once I really got into it, I became really interested. Coming to you from the studios at
0: Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to Be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. What do you think the difference is between curiosity and interest? Same thing, variations on a the theme, chicken and egg. I've been pondering that question ever since I heard Suzanne Heedy, a professor of educational psychology at the University of Toronto, make her case for a clear distinction between the two. Heedy sees curiosity as a passing, satisfiable thing, and interest as a more sustained state, the real source of our motivation to learn and do and excel. And she goes on, this distinction can help us understand why some people appear much more motivated and engaged in their lives than others. So are you just curious, or are you interested? You can read more from Heidi and others who are exploring these distinctions on my Facebook page, Choose to be Curious. And you can join me right now in welcoming Wilma Jones, an author, blogger, and community activist, whose recent book, My Halls Hill Family, More Than a Neighborhood, both piqued my curiosity and sustained my interest. But more than that, her book is a lovely illustration, I think, of how our curiosity about the personal, our family stories, can evolve and expand into something bigger and more complex, into a curiosity or an interest, if you will, in the historic and social contexts of those stories. And their implications for both the present and the future as well. In recounting the lives of her parents, George Mason and Idabel Jones, her siblings George, Michael, Roz, Linwood, Lydia, and Audrey, and a vast array of neighbors and aunts and uncles, both literal and otherwise, Wilma paints a truly vivid portrait of the genuine community in one of the D.C. area's most progressive black neighborhoods, I thought it was a wonderful example of choosing to be curious about our roots, and I just wanted to talk to her. So welcome, Wilma. Thanks so much for having me, Lynn. It's really a pleasure. So let's start by assuming that not everybody knows
1: about Halls Hill. Tell us about Halls Hill. Halls Hill is a small community in North Arlington. It's near what's now Virginia Hospital Center, bounded by George Mason Drive, Lee Highway, North Culpeper Street, and North 17th Street. Now, the neighborhood got its start in 1866, following the end of the Civil War. Prior to that time, it was called Hall's Plantation, Mm -hmm. owned by a slave owner by the name of Basil Hall. Basil had slaves and sold land to other white men who wanted to have plantations, but he didn't sell any land to black people until the late 1890s. Now, the neighborhood was always inhabited by black people, but again, we weren't able to own property there until after about 30 years after the Civil War. Things I, all sorts of things I learned about Arlington in this book. Actually, Lynn, there were so many things I learned about Arlington in this book because I started this whole thing by conversations that I'd had with my parents on Sundays when I would cook dinner for them in the black neighborhood. It's um, very traditional that you have large dinners on Sunday and, um, my parents did that for our large family for you know 40 years. When I moved back to Arlington and my parents were in their 80s, I said, you know what, I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to start cooking for them. And my elder brother also still lives on Halls Hill. So I started making dinner. And when I would take it to my parents, very often we would start talking about old stories. And I brought up one of those stories to my youngest son. And he was like, I never knew that. And I said, you know what, these things are things that I've been hearing about for my entire life for 50 years, but they don't know them and they weren't exposed to them to the level that I was. And I wanted those stories to still be here. And it grew once I started doing research to validate the things that my parents told me. Um, For example, my father told me about when he was a young child how Lee Highway was pretty much kind of a dangerous road to drive on for a couple of reasons during particular times. During bad weather, because it had lots of holes and ruts, and also, during particular times in the evening and at night, in areas in Cherrydale and the like were not completely 100% safe for black well, folks. Well,
0: Roslyn and Rosalind was a notorious
1: place, oh. so you had
0: to get past that even to make your way up,
1: Leon. Absolutely. So a- I was able to find all kinds of documentation, and I was listening to your introduction. They are talking about curiosity and interest, and I find that really I, it's true because i started this journey being curious about the things that my parents had told me and validating those stories And once I really got into it, I became really interested. And it took me a little bit to actually get the book completely finished. But it was something that I made a decision to do back in 2011. And after my mom passed in 2017, and my dad had passed two years earlier, I decided it's I can't go any further. The clock doesn't. I got to do it. it? And, and, you know, and as I tell my kids, you know, tomorrow's not promised for me. So my goal was to get that that book out before Thanksgiving of 2018 which I made it it came out October 25th Congratulations Thank you but it's um it's been wonderful for me to share as well with not only my siblings and my nieces and nephews and cousins, but also with a lot of the people that I grew up with. It's been wonderful having people come back and say, you made me remember so many people. Like um, one lady came back and told me a story about um, Mrs. Brent who was one of the teachers that I write about who was very close to our family. She was the neighborhood piano teacher in uh, addition to being a school teacher at the segregated school. And it's also been wonderful because there are people who have moved into the Halls Hill Highview Park neighborhood who know Langston as a community center and had no idea right. that its origin was the segregated elementary school in North Arlington. Well, you know, it's so interesting because that's such a great
0: example. I've been making... A kind of mini study for myself of the origins of the names of the schools here in Arlington. The Maury School, for instance, was named after a noted segregationist. He even left the country, right? I mean, so stretched were they for finding names of people. So the story about Langston's naming was to me such a reminder that you can make these choices, right? And then they sit in the community and you, over time, you forget the stories behind them, but they're part of you and they're part of the community anyway. So were there things that you learned that surprised you?
1: Hmm. There were a lot of things I learned that surprised me, some of which I did not put in the book. <laughs> um, when <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the names of these schools and the statues and the like, people don't think about the fact that the reason that those schools were named that is because the people who were in leadership admired those people. So the Ku Klux Klan was thriving in Arlington County in the 20s and the 30s. And the people who were in leadership in those organizations were also in leadership in county government. And State government, which we all know. I mean, this was the the Virginia was the origin of you know the the manifesto to you know stop integration. So we've got to remember, and I think that we need to acknowledge that the reason that these schools and these different monuments and the like were named for those people who were segregationists and slave owners was because the people who were in power admired those people. And it was also something that was done, and there are a number of articles about it, that, that those things were done to let people who were once enslaved know that, you know, we're still in control. One of the things that I think is most interesting to me about the feedback that I've received is how it's made other people curious, And so one of the things that I do with the book is I'm talking to people who live in areas that are similar to Halls Hill, where they're either being gentrified or some of them are rural areas that are being transformed because of the lack of commerce and the fact that people can't get jobs so that they're not vibrant anymore. And I'm saying to them, interview your your elders and save those stories, because that those things need to be remembered. One of the things that I think that is a purpose for me of doing this book now is because people love Arlington and the fact that it's so diverse and so innovative and so forward thinking. And part of the reason that it's that way is because of these three black neighborhoods that Pushed the envelope, yeah. because if the people like Phyllis Costley and Lil Brown and Miss Dorothy Ham, who the Stratford was just named after, and folks from you know the Syfaxes from Johnson Hill, and you know a number of families from the from the Knock. Green Valley area work together in organizations like the Arlington NAACP, which has had leadership from all three of those communities over its over 100-year history. Those People who pushed the envelope and made Arlington look at things in a different way, their history needs to be remembered. And it's, not, I would say, yes, and.
0: Not only does it need to be remembered, but its legacy needs to be understood. Stop for a moment, if you would. You address this in the very start of your book
1: about your choice of the word Black.
0: Talk about that because yes. I think that's something some people may
1: feel curious about. Yes, that was a, that was a tough decision for me. Was it um, during the period of the book from eighteen sixty six through the early nineteen seventies, black people were referred to as black, as Negro, and as African American, and I had to figure out and talk to the editors I had a number of times about. Do I transition the book and do I begin Negro and then go to black and then go to African American as the times changed? Or do I am I consistent in the way that we're referenced, made a decision to be consistent and to tend to say black Um, simply because I think that black was the predominant um, reference for that period of time. And also There's a big part of the book, and it starts kind of underlying, but then as I talk more about what's happening in society— Um, And that was one of the things I made a conscious decision to do was to tell people about what was happening in the world and in the country and in Virginia when things were happening in the um, Highview Park neighborhood. So so you had a form of reference and you understood that, you know, when my dad was born in 1919 that and this was something I did not know that that summer was called Black Summer because of the black blood that was being shed from men who were coming back from World War One, That was amazing to me. But my father had talked about, of course, he was just born at that time, but he talked about When he was a young child, the whole you know racial influence, Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. said something about that Black Summer, and I was like, "Wow, that that was something I didn't even know about." And I thought I was a pretty good study of history.
0: (laughs) Well, talk a little bit about where you found some of this information, so if other people got curious, let's give them a shortcut. Where did you find good material?
1: Well. The first thing that I did was I found out about where I could get digital access to newspapers. Mm-hmm. So the Washington Post digital access. And I didn't realize it initially. Initially, I spent a bunch of Saturdays down at um, Central Library at the Center for Local History. That's a great center. By Absolutely. The way. It's an and, almost, resource. and almost every neighborhood, even if they don't have something quite as rich and deep as that, has something from a historical perspective so that you can go there and kind of get a start. Um, I also was able to find out about black newspapers that were um, publishing during that time and and be able to kind of look. But I got most of my validation of information from the Washington Post digital archives as well as some Evening Star. Mm. Um, Now, my mother had a wealth of information. And one of the things that I I don't have a lot of regrets in my life, but one regret I have is that my mother kept a, um, like a library of obituaries Uh from black people. And I told her, I kept saying I was going to get them. I missed it. She got Uh rid of them one day and I came down there and said, mom, where's the box? Uh So, but. She had boxes and boxes of other stuff. Uh-huh. So um, I was able to use f- what I call now family archives. Right. And so um, for people, and you know, there are folks that I'm encouraging from the Knock neighborhood to kind of do the same kind of thing that that we've done in Halls Hill, because Halls Hill got started in 1866, but Knock got started in 1844. Mm -hmm. And they have a rich history involving, you know, so many transfers of black neighborhoods. That was something that and it's interesting that a lot of people, even in Arlington County government, were not aware That when the Arlington Hospital Foundation was started in 1935 and then they spent probably six or seven years getting the money and getting the approval from the state and all that kind of stuff, that there was an effort by businessmen to move the entire Halls Hill neighborhood to Green Valley. And to use really? that location oh, for no medical idea. campus, yeah. There's just a little line about it in the book, but it oh, yeah, it there was, was a, there. that's right. It was a big deal that the John M. Langston Citizens Association mm-hmm. had to really rally to you know to, to keep that from happening. But it had happened to other neighborhoods in South Arlington before. Um, where the entire neighborhood was just moved yeah, to yeah. Green Valley.
0: No, I was really struck actually in reading. Well, first I have to say, I have a crush on your mother. <laughs> I feel like I could hear her voice.
1: Yeah, my you mom know? is it. Miss <laughs> Adabelle, as everyone calls her. She's an amazing woman.
0: She, um, I mean, it's clear that you've taken this from conversations with people and that you're capturing their stories. And there were just certain moments, there was something about, like she didn't like to dance but maybe if a certain somebody was singing like that
1: King Cole. Yes, yes yes and
0: I was like i can totally picture this i just have to say i just i love your mom just by extension but i was also really struck throughout um in reading that you know i think there's particularly for those of us who are white this this very kind of picturesque um oversimplified idea about historically black neighborhoods. You're nodding. It's like, yeah. Yes, and, absolutely. And and what I appreciated about your book was that it really pulled lots of different kinds of stories forward, both little ones, you know, kids running through the woods to the baseball field to these bigger kind of contexts and the implications of the war and you know transportation or access to medical care mm-hmm. or having to go into the district because that's where the better high school yeah. was available for people i mean just things that that sh- make the stories truer for starters but but so much richer and get to, I, I had a guest on my show, Perry Zern, who's a professor of philosophy at American University. And he talks about attending to the stories of those who are overlooked. And I really feel like that's what your initiative, and it's more than just a book, right? So mm-hmm. so w- it is more than just a
1: book. What's Absolutely. Next? Um. Well, there's a website at hallshill.com. There's also um, probably going to be a, a nonprofit coming in the in the near future, mm-hmm. um, just so that um, there are so many people now who have read the book who really want to be involved, um, and it's like you said. It's so funny because when I was writing the book, I, I I made a conscious decision not to let any of my siblings or my friends or anyone read the book, <laughs> um, and which is very different. It's my that. third book. My, I have one sister who has kind of been my my my, my side editor, like uh-huh. my first editor. And I said, you know, I don't want anybody else's opinion. I'm going to do this based on what I had discussed with my mom and my dad. That's one of the reasons that the word halls is not abbreviated. Uh There's no apostrophe in that um, because that was the way that my dad always referred to it. So Mm. I tried to... Be uh, be true to to what they I thought they would have wanted, but I also wanted to include those little things like the stories that my mom told about Halloween when they went up on a woman's uh, porch and said trick or treat, and the they didn't know that the group before them had actually <laughs> right. um, you know tampered with her, <laughs> and so she instead of saying you know here's some candy, she threw out have... a pail of water at them, <laughs> okay. and they went squealing <laughs> off the porch because those are the kind of stories that I think they're not unique to that historically black neighborhood. And they help for people to see, you know, this, those are the things that, you know, that they remembered. And my mom and dad were foot soldiers in the whole effort for integration. And, you know, they weren't leaders, but they were the kind of people who, if my dad said that something was he was going to do something or that the kids would be available for something, he was a hundred percent solid, and I, I think that people like them, as well as the leaders, are the reason that you know the there were four kids from Halls Hill who integrated schools. Now, mind you, part of the reason that I wanted to do the book was because there were twenty six other kids who should have been a part of that who were basically racially profiled and kept from, you know, being in the Arlington County Public Schools from an integration perspective. And that wasn't fair. And I wanted to put that out there and say, hey, guys, these people eventually graduated from Washington Lee and went on to college and some of them went on to be really great businessmen and others committed their entire careers to be in Arlington County public servants Mm -hmm. and they deserve for their names to be out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you did that because that was one of the places where I learned something.
0: It's like I mm. and to me, the book is this great lesson in the importance of asking You know, sort of the anything else question, anyone else. I just think that it's never the stories are never as simple as we think they are, and by asking those questions, we have this
1: opportunity to learn about ourselves. Well, absolutely. I um, when we did my video to introduce the book, um, at the very end of the video um, when we're taping. I actually without question felt my ancestors Mm. and even every time I even talk about it my eyes water because the more that I have done this the work on this book I feel that part of the reason that I actually am, am on earth was so that I can help to save this Halls Hill story because it's It's like a ripple in a pond where the book was a little ripple that I threw into a pond (laughs) and all of the waves that it's creating of the legacy and connecting people and also all of the people. And I dedicated the book to all the people who grew up on Halls Hill because one of the ladies said to me, her name is Carolyn June Jackson, and she said she wrote on Facebook, I never thought that I would have a history book of my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it was like that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And it's connecting us, but it's not just connecting us. It's also connecting me and you and it's right. connecting all of the other people who this is this is an eye opener for many folks. But I think that I'm blessed to have been able to do it. But I'm also receiving blessings back from all of the people who are saying, wow, this this, this helped me see kind of how things have gotten to be how they are. Right. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. But again, this is the first step. So I'm working with people in other communities who are trying to do the same thing, mm-hmm. as well as building, hopefully, a firm foundation to have a way, if not digitally, then maybe physically as well, to save this information, work with Arlington Public Schools, work with universities, you know, work with other school systems to, you know, to do this and also trying to inspire other people to do the same thing.
0: Very, very cool. So, very quickly, coming up January 26th, there's a great celebration
1: of this very thing, right? Absolutely. The John M. Langston Citizens Association is extremely proud to invite the community, the entire Arlington and DMV community to celebrate with us the 100th year of operation, our centennial celebration of the Fire Station 8, which was the Halls Hill Volunteer Fire Department started in 1918 and is the longest continually operating fire station that got started as a historically black all black stations. So it's going to be at 2 p.m. at the National Rural Electric Cooperative in Boston, And then also, um, if you go to hallshill.com and look under speaking, you can find out all of the events that I'll be kind of just having the book at, and I'll also be speaking for some black history events in Arlington Public Schools next month. So hopefully, we can engage more of your community and get more people sharing their stories. That's great. That's great. Wonderful, wonderful. So before you go, you know I have my big jar wannabe
0: analogies. You ready? Yes. Okay. All right. So in. I'll take one, one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to whatever is on... She's laughing. (laughs) Okay. You want to go first you want me to go? You go first. Okay. Uh, I have wind. How is curiosity like the wind? Curiosity is like the wind because... It buffets you around. It can carry you all sorts of interesting places. And sometimes it can completely overwhelm you and mess with your hair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Now, I got hot dog. A hot dog. And the first thing I thought about with hot dog is my father. My father loved sausages. And hot dogs are simply sausages. Uh So curiosity is like a hot dog because when you're curious – Things can come at you from all directions. And when they come together and you mold them together into whatever the finished product is, it can be something totally different than all of the parts. That's
0: great.
1: (laughs) Okay. And
0: audience, yours is toothbrush. How is curiosity like a toothbrush? Let me know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Wilma, thank
1: you so much. I really, really enjoyed this, and I hope that this inspires others to be curious about their neighborhoods and their family stories. You've been listening to WERA 96.7
0: FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, MixCloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at choosetobecurious.com. Hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. And don't forget to send us your toothbrush analogy, hashtag analogy. I hope you'll join me when newly elected Arlington County Board Chair Christian Dorsey joins me to talk about how curiosity fits into his priority focus on equity in this county. In his remarks at the board's first convening this year, Dorsey explained he wants both essential information gathering and a reframing of our collective narrative. I cannot imagine how we can have those conversations as a county, as a community, without coming forward with genuine curiosity, genuine interest. Many thanks to my guest, Wilma Jones. Check out our website at hallshill.com. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and thanks to Blue Dot Sessions and Cloud Harbor for Discovery Harbor. I hope you'll be back next week, and until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House